stand and read from our text in the 13th chapter of the book of Romans, and I will not um, preach from the first seven verses again this morning. I think we had maybe seven messages on seven verses or maybe more, I don't know, Um, but we are in verse number eight, but it's not that verse number eight doesn't have any bearing upon verse number seven, or verse number seven doesn't have any bearing upon verse number eight, whichever way you want to look at it, Steve. Um, Romans 13, verse number 8. We'll read this, this one verse. I think we've read the first seven verses enough. We are quite familiar with them. Uh, verse number 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Well, I said I was going to read one verse. Sorry. Let's, let's, read, let's read on a little more. Verse number 9. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, if you don't commit adultery, then you're loving your neighbor, right? And that's, that's a loving thing to do, not commit adultery, right? Thou shalt not kill. That's pretty loving if you don't murder someone. Thou shalt not steal. That's, again, loving if you don't steal something that belongs to somebody else. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in this saying namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and he goes on to give a outworking of that love that it love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is a fulfilling or the fulfilling of the law so one to read those couple extra verses um in addition to verse number eight though we'll not make it that far this morning um Do I intentionally try to preach a message on each verse? No. I don't intentionally try to do that. You may say, you could have fooled me. I don't know. (laughs) But I'm just trying to give you this morning what the Lord's given me. So uh, that's where we are. So, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Can you see what he's saying? I mean, if you're... If you're being what you ought to be and you're loving your neighbor, then you're not going to do those things that you ought not to do. Um, so let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Donnie, would you pray for us? Yes.
Amen. You may be seated. So, what does this not mean? Let's just get it out of the way, right? Right up front. Owe no man anything. What are you thinking about that? Owe no man anything. Does that mean you shouldn't get a loan? Okay, clear conscience, good. Owe no man anything. Doesn't mean that you can't get a mortgage. Doesn't mean that you can't get a loan on a car. But some have made it to be that. There have been those in church history who have interpreted this verse that way. I think we get some bearing as we look back at verse number 7. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So there are things we are to render because they're due. And that has bearing, that word due actually um, means the same thing as the word owe that we have in verse number eight. So due in seven means the same thing as owe in eight. Um, it's something that we, that we are to, in a sense, render. It's something that is due, something that is owed. Um, you know, all those things kind of work in concert, you know, together. But we are to owe no man anything, in other words, that is due unto that man. So those things that are due unto a man, we owe those, and we ought to pay them, and not just pay them, we ought to pay them in a timely manner, but we don't only need to, or are not only going to restrict this to merely monetary, because even if we go back to verse number seven, we can see things like fear and honor that aren't monetary, that are due. Now, we did have tribute and custom that were monetary, so tribute and custom being monetary, but then fear and honor, not monetary things, but they are things that are due and they're owed, if you're following me. Okay, so God's commanded us to owe no man anything. So that could be monetary, or it could be something that is not, something that is like fear and something that is like honor, right? So we have those two things. So God's called us to give unto, to render unto, all that is their due. Um, well, more than about money. Um, there's more encompassed, you know, here. How about our time? Can time be something that we are to render? Can time be something that is due? Can time be something that is owed? Yes. Uh, I, I'm employed. This is my, he doesn't like me pointing this out. You know, but but this is this is one of my employers right here on the front row. Okay. During the workday, my time is due. I'm getting paid to work that day. He's paying me to work. He something's owed to me from him too, right? So it goes both ways, doesn't it? But I owe him my time. I owe him my talents in a sense and what I can do, you know, for the company. He owes me you know, for that employment. So it goes both ways. So time, yes, we could say time could be one of those things that could fit within this, this process that we're talking about. Talents could be the same thing. And, and when you think about it, I want you to think beyond just this relationship that I'm pointing out between my brother and myself as far as employer-employee because there's a higher power than that, isn't there? And that higher power is the one that's commanding him to do what he's supposed to do and commanding me to do what I'm supposed to do. And that is due unto him. I owe that unto God. That's what God's called me, you know, unto. 
Well, how about our love for one another? We have that in our text, right? So we have time, we have talents, we have love, just some things, and we're not going to give an exhaustive list of everything, you know, but love. I owe Brother JT love. I owe all of you love. I owe love to Sister Betty this morning by praying for her because she's not feeling well. She's not with us. She would like to be with us if she could be with us, but she can't be with us because she's ill. So I owe her my love. I owe her my prayers. Um, you know, so there's, there's a love in a sense between us as brethren that we owe unto one another. There's a love that we owe unto God. You know, why do we love him? Because he first loved us, right? So love fits in to this category as well, doesn't it? Uh, how about thinking about love? How about this, this pretty lady that's sitting here on the front row that's not looking at me right now? She's looking at her Bible because she knows that I'm talking about her and she doesn't really want to acknowledge it. But I'm to, I'm to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, again, I owe her that love. If I did not show her that kind of love, then I'm not giving her what is due unto her. I would owe her something that she wasn't receiving. And at the same time, like we said, I owe this unto the Lord. Uh, he's called me to love her as Christ, as he loved the church and gave himself for it. So, so we can think about it in that way. We think about it in terms of our children when we think about love, because that is the thing that's the main theme within these verses, right? Because if we're doing that thing right, if I'm doing that, the love thing right, then these things are going to fall into place, aren't they? So I'm bringing up my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm still seeking to do that. You know, they're, they're, I've, I've got one that he could be out of the household. He's old enough, you know, but I'm content for him to remain as long as, as he needs to remain. He wants to remain. I'm content, you know. I, I know there was a little part of him when we moved from the parsonage because he had his own little apartment that was separate from us. There was a whole carport between us that he was like, I like to just stay right here and y'all can move down the road, you know. But he does have upstairs pretty much to himself, you know, right now. Um, but... I'm still seeking to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I probably embarrassed him last week. I'm probably going to embarrass him again right now. My kids are kind of used to that. You know, I'm in this position. But, but, and I get to use them as illustrations. And more often than not, they'll be sitting there at the table and they're saying, this is going to come up in the sermon Sunday, isn't it? I say, well, it might, it might not. I don't know. You know, we'll see. But he called me this week. And I guess you had me on speakerphone. I don't know. Um, but he called me, and he said, Dad, are you busy? Well, immediately in my heart, I'm like, no, I'm never too busy for your son, you know. And he was calling about work stuff, you know. But I want him to know I'm not too busy for him. You are my son. If it is possible for me to answer this phone, I am going to pick it up and answer you, you know. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, but if I was on speakerphone, then it probably embarrassed you because the other coworkers were listening. I don't know if I was or not, but anyway. Um, so I owe him that love. He's my son. He owes me love. He owes me we're to honor our father and mother, right? So there's things that are due. Can you see the connection you know, here between all these things? <clears throat> you know, we can go to places like Deuteronomy 24. In Deuteronomy 24, we, we read this, beginning in verse number 14. Thou shalt not oppress, and this goes back to this relationship between my brother and myself. Now, there's, there's an extra relationship there because, you know, we are brothers, you know, 
by blood, but then there's the brothers in Christ. So the, I've got like three different relationships going on, you know, with this one person sitting in front of me. But this kind of goes back to that employer-employee, you know, relationship. Deuteronomy twenty-four fourteen says, Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or of, the, of thy strangers that are living or in the land within thy gates. At his day thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it. And this is interesting to me. And this, this is, you know, hired servant, a master sort of relationship. <clears throat> it says, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. So now we're talking about time, love, talents, all these things we talked about. And if we do not, do we have to actually state it? Yeah, we do. If we do not render those things that are due and owed, it is sin unto us. It is sin. That's what this passage is talking about here, isn't it? So there's the wages of the worker that are due unto him. Um, There's the responsibility I have towards my employer to do the best of my ability to do my job. Um, when, when, When I was working at the insurance office and the manager would leave, well, when... When the cat's away, what's going to happen? You've heard the saying before, right? The mice will play. But that's not to be so... Here's a place for us to shine. Here's a place for us to show the difference between us and the world. You know, the world's like, the boss is gone. I can can slack off. But for us, we work as unto the Lord, and so there's no slack. We continue working just as diligent, and they look at you and they think, why are you not like us? Why are you acting that way and we're not? What's different about you? And they might use that, that phrase, Sister Delina, they might say, you just think you're better than we are. You just think you're perfect. You know, No, it's I'm working as under the Lord. I'm getting, and how can they, I, I know they can, but how can they argue with this person that we're working for is paying us to be working right now even though they're not here? You're saying that we shouldn't be doing this? <clears throat> Absolutely we should. Um, so, you know, we can see for us what's at, what's at stake here. Just the favor of our employer? Just, just if he catches us slacking off, he might let us go? No, it's the glory of God. It's the glory of God that's at stake here. Proverbs 3.27 says this, <clears throat> Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Does it is it always going to be in the power of my hand? Mm-mm. I may not have to be able to give. But if I do have to give and I don't give it, what is it? Sin. It's sin, right? <clears throat> Verse 28 says, Say not unto thy neighbor, Go. And come again, and tomorrow I will give. When you have it right there, you got it. Now, it may, it may be that I don't have it with me, and I can give it to you tomorrow. You know, but if I've got it, give it. So there, there are those who are needy. There are those who are able to supply needs, right? Uh, the Lord's given to us. Is it really ours? I'll just use Brother JT as an example. Brother JT, you still got cows, don't you? Okay. Well, when the Bible says that that the Lord owns cattle on a thousand hills, you think that might be Brother JT's cows too? 
Yeah, that's Brother JT's cows too. And so God's given those to him, and he is to do with those what God calls him to do. So if we were all hungry and Brother JT had cows to be able to feed us with, you know, we were in need, you know, well, it's by his hand. And I'm not saying that would ever happen. It could, I guess, you know, but uh, I don't guess in, in your lifetime you've ever known that to happen where you had to go slaughter a cow to feed somebody. You know, we've had other means to be able to help people, you know, without having to, to uh, resort, you know, to doing that. You're responsible there too, right, right. Yeah, and I guess if you told a fellow, <laughs> if you told a fellow, well, he ate your corn, you can have the cow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that way he won't get out of my fence and do this again. If he gets out of your fence and does it to my corn, I'll get him back. I, guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the Lord's, the Lord's the one that's given us these things and call us to do what's within our power to do. You know, so we read that this morning, didn't we, in, in, in Luke? We read that this morning in chapter 3. We got two coats. Somebody didn't have one, give them my extra coat. I got food and they don't have any, give that. Um, you know, so you know, that, that has to do with, in a sense, some monetary you know, items you know, there. And then you flip over to the other side, you know, where you've got the tax collector and the, and the centurion saying, what shall we do? You know, be content with your wages, centurion. Uh, don't exact any more than is your due, tax collector, um, you know, so how we're treating this whole idea with, of love and how that, that's going to fulfill the law if I'm loving, you know, that person. How about treating others or doing unto others as we would have them do unto us? You know, Dad stopped this morning, picked up Brother Wiseman to bring him, you know, uh, to services this morning. Well, Brother Wiseman, if he was able to do that for Dad, he'd do the same thing. You know, if Dad's not able to do it, Donnie would stop and pick Brother Wiseman up. You know, it's... Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, this whole idea of this, this love and fulfilling, you know, the law. You know, how about going all the way back to Romans chapter 1 and what Paul says in the beginning there and reflecting upon this that we're reading here. He says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarian, both to the wise and to the unwise. I mean, he's using the same principle that we're talking about here, making application to it there in regards to him preaching the gospel. Um, and how about that for us as Christians? We're to be salt and light. You know, we're to be ambassadors of Christ. You know, we could say the same sort of thing. We're, we're the ones that are supposed to be holding forth the example of a holy life before a world that is in darkness. It's in darkness all around us. So if we borrow something from someone, it doesn't belong unto us. I mean, it could be something like a book. It could be a shovel. It could be all sorts of things. But if I borrow something from someone, then I need to return it. And, and not just return it, you know, do I return it with a broken handle, you know, in the shovel? No, you know, I didn't ask for it, but he brought over one of these things. That my brother Richard did, brought over one of these things that I never thought I would do that. Call you Richard. It's always been Ricky all your life, but, and I think you're back to being okay. Ricky's okay, okay. All right, so anyway, we got into business, and it was like, let's go with Richard. But one of these inversion, is it inversion table? That's what it is? Okay. So he, he brings us over because Teresa's having trouble with their back. And he hadn't even used it yet. Brand new. Never even got on himself yet. Brings it over and Teresa uses it. And it's not really doing anything, but he's having some difficulties. So I'm like, I need to give this back to him. He's like, don't worry about it. 
I'll get it tomorrow. I should have done that because I put it in the truck. And guess what I didn't do, Brother Donnie? Didn't tie it down. It had, it had this, it had this, you know, plank that you lay on had holes all in it. I figured the wind's just going to pass right through it. It'll be okay. It's heavy. It's got a big base. You know, it's not going anywhere. I drove from the farm all the way just past the church building here. And I look up, hear this noise, and the thing had flipped out of the back of the truck and jammed one of its handles that you that you grab with your hand, you know, in between the bumper, you know, and the and the tailgate, or it would have been a whole lot worse than what it was. But it was now missing a few parts and had some scratches on it. So I'm not happy, you know, with this set of circumstances because it had been it had been lent to me in pristine condition had not even been used and now i'm bringing it back and the strap that holds you you know when you invert and keeps you from you know i guess going like this you know round and round and you go where you stop nobody knows i don't know um that strap it, the force was enough a nylon strap that it snapped it you know in half and so i'm like i'm i'm just gonna buy you another one you know um and he's like no you're not gonna do that I'm like, I just don't feel right unless I do. And he wouldn't let me do it. And then he contacts the company, and they replace all the parts for free. Um, I don't go figure. I don't know. Maybe he's convincing on the phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure uh, why they did that. But, but um, anyway, he was like, you don't want to have to buy this. It's expensive. I said, yeah, I do want to have to buy it if I, if I damaged it. You know, I want to do that. But that's just using that as illustration. You know, we want to return that thing, you know, in as good or maybe even better condition. Maybe it was the reverse. Maybe this thing's been used 10,000 times. Straps all worn and I got an old strap, you know, that looks better than the strap that's on there, you know, and I, maybe I could return it in better condition than what I borrowed it. Yeah, got trace off of it before it flew out of the truck. Yeah, that was a good thing. She wasn't, well, I didn't tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story was as I'm leaving, my wife's like, shouldn't you fold that up? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, no, it'll be fine. <laughs> it wasn't fun. So if we borrow something, tool, book, money, we ought to we ought to bring it back. We ought to pay it back timely. Timely. Um have we ever been late on a payment? I'm sure we have. Uh was it unintentional? Could have been. Um, you know, if it was if it was not unintentional, should we have gotten the loan because we couldn't pay it back, you know, in a timely fashion? Should we even have gotten it to begin with? Or should we have done something different? Um, you know, we need to be careful, you know, with these things. What's at stake here? Well, it could become sin unto us, and the glory of God is at stake here. So, um, you know, I, I've I've had people, I've had, this this isn't. I'm not saying this is what you should do. But I've had people borrow money from me before, and they regarded it as a loan for me. And I'm talking about, for the most part in this situation, these, these were brethren, okay? For me, it was a gift. You know, I, I never, if they paid it back, fine. You know, whatever the Lord, you know, laid upon their heart to do. But for my part, I did not want that thing to ever come between us in any way. So here, I have it. The Lord has called me to give it to you. It's, it's yours. And when they tried to give it back, I've said, no, it, it was a gift. And they're like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm just, I'm going to pay you back, you know. And I'm like, well, you've got to do whatever the Lord lays upon your heart to do. Um, same, I could use it as an illustration. Marvin is, is staying here right now. He's back from Alabama. 
He's preaching this morning over at another church. Um, I forget where he said Jasper. He's preaching in Jasper this morning, and you know he's 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 staying here. So he's I he needed a place to stay, so we gave him a place to stay, and he's come to me and he's like, I want to pay, and I'm like, we haven't asked you to pay. I don't. I still want to pay. I'm like, brother, okay, look, here's the thing. We don't expect you to pay anything, but if you can't live with yourself unless you do then whatever the Lord lays upon your heart, you do that, you know. Uh, so, you know, if to me, that enters into the equation of what we're talking about here. Uh, but we've all been in the position where we have lent something to someone and not gotten it back, right? Yeah. You know, so how are we going to handle, you know, something like that? Well, for me, I can't tell you how many books I've loaned. I told Brother Jerry about this. <laughs> He's probably done it too. How many books I've loaned to people and never saw them again? Um, you know, and, and I didn't think about it until one day I go to the bookshelf and like, I have that book. I'm like, no, I don't have that book. I loaned it to somebody. I mean, I didn't remember who it is at that point. Um, I know my name was inside of it and they may, it, it may be completely innocent on their part. They may think it was a book that belonged to them as long as it's been. Well, there's the importance of returning something back timely, right? Um, you keep it on your shelf long enough and it kind of becomes yours. You know, you think, well, I guess that's mine. I can't remember. If there's not a name inside it, I don't know who it belonged to. I forgot where I got it from. Um, but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna borrow a book from somebody, I need to borrow it, commit myself to it, get it back to them. You know, um, you know, you're just talking about a book. I mean, how much does a book cost? It doesn't matter. You know, it's it's the principle of what the Lord set before us here, isn't it? Um, you know what? There's some things that Donnie has over his house. He and Cohen have that I probably wouldn't borrow because I don't want to risk breaking it because uh, it's probably going to be, I'm talking about like welding equipment and stuff. It might be expensive, you know. Um, it might be better for me just to say, hey, Cohen, can I hire you to come weld this for me? Because if you break it, it belongs to you, and then I don't have to worry about it. Um, I've hired you to do it. But, but um, you know, the, the whole principle that we're talking about here is is give it whatever is owed give it unto the person whatever it may be um exodus twenty two twenty five says if thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee thou shalt not be to him as an usurer neither shalt thou lay upon him usury what's usury hmm yeah so we're talking about interest here right Okay, so Brother Steve needs a loan, and he could go to the bank, but I'm able to loan the money to him. And he agrees he's going to pay this money back at a certain rate over a certain period of time. I'm like, that's fine, brother. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that, but I'm not going to charge any interest. Isn't this another place among us as brethren just like the workplace scenario that we gave where the person that's the manager has left and everybody is not doing their job except the Christian. You know, how about for us? And we have these exchanges between one another. The world would take advantage. Oh, you need a loan. <laughs> I just so happen to have the money to loan you. And I'll only charge you this much interest. So what, what's, what's the thing with this person in the scenario here? They're poor. And they don't need interest being charged to them. That's going to put them in a worse condition than they were when they started, you know. So, you know, here for us, I mean, we're like, here's a place where we, again, are different, you know, than the world. And we show a godly life in, 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 
in, in, in the face of, of the world around us. You know, who does that? Who loans money and doesn't take advantage of gaining interest off of that money? Um, that money could have been in the bank. You could have been making, well, not really. Sorry, that's not a good illustration anymore. You can't really make any interest. Teresa told me yesterday that we had some money in the savings account, and I think it $20 a year. No? Month, $20 a month, something, I don't know. It was, wasn't a lot of money. I can remember as a kid, you know, my, my parents telling me, you know, put some money aside, put it in a savings account, and it'll gain interest. I don't know what that interest rate's at now, but it's not much. Uh, but people would say, you could invest that. And, and instead of loaning that to Steve and not charging interest, you could be making money off your money. You're not making any money off that money. I'm like, no. But I am pleasing the Lord. You know, and that's worth more to me than whatever interest you know, that the bank may have given or the stock market may have you know, uh, caused to, 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 to be added to you know, the principal. My brother's having trouble. As it is, I don't need to charge him interest. Not the loving thing to do. Would it? That wouldn't be the loving thing to do. Um, take advantage you know, of an opportunity. That's the way the world would see it. Um, but that's the mentality of men apart from God. Here's what Psalm 37, verse 21, you'll, you'll recognize this verse when you hear it. This is the mentality of the world, right? Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. But the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. There's a difference between us and them. There's a difference between light and darkness. The darkness, the evil, the wicked, they borrow. I mean, haven't you heard about people doing this? Known people that have done this? I mean, go and get a, a loan on a car and just trash the thing and then just let it go back. You know, no regard whatsoever. Um, you know, they, they, they borrow and they don't pay back. We can't do that. And, and, and people look at you and think, you know, that's really hard what you're having to do there and pay that thing back. And yeah, but it's a commitment that I made. Uh, and I'm seeking to honor the Lord. There's a difference between us, you know, and the world. Um, we belong to the Lord and not to the world. Advantage is not our concern, but His glory is well, when you think about the whole thing about owing, be careful in, in getting into debt. Debt is a heavy load uh, to bear. We ought to ask ourselves if it's worth it. Do I really need it? Can I get by without it? I can remember my, my dad's dad, my grandfather. You know, then let me just encourage you. Speak to those around you. Uh, there are lots of things that he said to me that are with me to this day. You know, instruct those around you. He would tell me, he would say, son, don't buy anything that you can't save up and pay for. You don't need to buy it on time. And that's a product of his generation where he came from, you know. And there's wisdom, you know, in that. I'm not saying in saying that that there's never going to be a situation where we are not going to have to possibly get a loan on something, you know. But if you do, Make sure that you've got to have it. Make sure that you're able to pay it back because what's at stake here is not just my name and not just your name and not just my reputation and not just your reputation. What's at stake here is the glory of God. That's what's at stake here. So, sure, it's shiny. Sure, it's nice. Sure, it's new. I could go out and buy a new car, 
you know. But what's it going to look like in a couple of years from now? I might go through the gate and get a scratch on it. Right, Sister Shelby? Mm-hmm. I've done that before. <laughs> it could happen. One, I actually did do that very thing right over here one day at the dad's truck of all things. Andrew's sitting in my lap. I don't know if you remember this, Andrew, or not. You remember this? And I didn't get out on the road because he was in my lap. And we're driving right down through the grass here. We get to where the opening in the fence is. And all of a sudden, he does this, you know, and right down the side of the truck, you know. Um, so it's happened to me too, sister. I'm not just picking on you. I've done it. I've done it. But my point is, we buy that shiny new thing, and it's not going to stay that way, is it? You know, it's, it's going to tarnish. It's going to fade. It's going to wear out. Um, you know, you think about things that appreciate and things that depreciate. Car, I don't, I guess you could keep it long enough. It might appreciate. You know, I've, I've got a guy right now that he wants to build, us to build him a garage. I don't know if I've told you about him or not, but he wants to build this massive garage. In fact, he's named it already. Did I tell you about this? He's named it the Garage Mahal. Okay? He's got boats and he's got cars and he's got an old car that's probably, well, there's no doubt it's worth now more than what it was paid for initially. But if you think about the cost all those years that it's been had and people have put money into it and things, it probably is not, you know, worth any more than what's been put into it. It's probably worth less, even though it's a classic and collector's item, you know, sort of thing. But it's all going to wear out. It's all going to, you know, eventually we know it's going to be burn up. <laughs> we know that, but but um, maybe we don't need the new shiny. You know, maybe the used, you know, sort of thing, you know, might work. Um, I've got a jacket that I like a lot that I got at Goodwill that my wife doesn't like me to wear because it's got a little hole, you know, right there. I sewed it up, but she didn't like the patch job that I did. The only member of that club? Members only? Yeah. It wasn't one of those. Um, I think it... I think it came from Joski's or J.C. Penney. It's old. <laughs> J.C. Penney's still around, but Joski's isn't it? Or Foley's. That's not around either. Um, but you think about things that appreciate, depreciate. The appreciate part. I mean, we've got an inheritance, don't we? We've got an inheritance that First Peter one four says is incorruptible. Things here are corruptible. Moth's gonna gonna eat on it. Rust is gonna eat on it. Um, you know, it's going to get stolen or wear out or something, you know, but this is an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and it fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's sure. That's forever. That's not going to change. Um, yes. I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. Yeah, that, 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 uh, that, that younger man behind you likes that. Yeah, we didn't earn it, you know. We all like that, don't we? Because if it was the other way, whew, how would you ever? How would you ever earn it? How'd you ever get there? I mean, you can mount up good works from here to the moon and never be able to get there. Um, but given. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, brother. Mm hmm. Things of others, yeah. Mm, what did he do? He gave himself for us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we ought to do, you know, likewise for one another, right? I mean, we give and give. 
How many times should I forgive my brother? I mean, seven times enough? How about 70 times seven? You know, I, we're talking about for the same offense, you know. Uh, but, you know, how many times has God forgiven us? How many times have we committed the same thing? How many times have we said about somebody else, I can't believe that person calls themselves a, a believer and they did that? And the Lord may give a wide span of space and it may not come out to be an exact set of circumstances, but bring you right to a place where you find yourself in their shoes. And the Lord puts his finger on it and says, this is that that you condemned you know, your brother for, that you said you would never do, but guess what? Here you are. You're right in that set of circumstances. You're smack dab in the middle of it. Um, so think about it before you borrow it. It's that important. You, you remember, you remember um, it was Elisha, I believe, and the, the, the servant who had been out there, and he was you know, cutting with an axe that didn't belong to him, and the axe head flew off. You know, how concerned is God about that axe head? That man could not have, it, it, from what you read there, he wasn't going to be able to, to, to do what he needed to be able to do. And he goes to the prophet and says, this is what happened. And the prophet says, well, where'd it go in the water? Right there. He tosses a stick out there. And what happened? What does the Bible say that the iron did? Hmm? What word does it use? What's iron not going to do? I know you're going to try to say float, but that's not the word that I'm looking for. It says the iron did swim. The iron did swim. How concerned about this is God. Enough to make iron float upon the water. That shouldn't happen. But with God, all things are possible, right? So, pray about it before you do it. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't get a loan in order to make a purchase, but it does mean that we ought to think about it pray about it, um, ask the Lord for wisdom in regards to it before we put ourselves in a situation where certainly we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we're living beyond our means. We know we ought not to do that. Um, but um, we want to be able to have the ability to meet our obligations because it's that important because God's uh, glory is at stake here, is involved here, and we're not to be negligent here. We are to pay back what we owe. And I know that fits into our thoughts mostly upon the area of getting, you know, a bank loan. But we're also talking about that other area, the love that is due, uh, the respect that is due, the honor that is due. You know, all of those things that, that we've, we've talked about before. Um, you know, in, in this regard, I, I don't think this is unrelated, but I thought about Hannah. Remember, she was childless. You remember that? Who, who was born unto Hannah? Who was the child that she prayed and asked the Lord for? Eli thought she was drunk. She was there praying in the temple. Her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. <clears throat> he tells her to <clears throat> you know, put her wine away from her. And she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not drunk like you suspect, but this is the issue. And Eli sends her away and says, the Lord grant you know, your, your, your prayer. <clears throat> well, next time she comes... You know, she's with child. Who was that child? Anybody? Samuel? Yep, it was Samuel. Um, and so, how did she regard that child? Hmm? He was, 
he, she dedicated him to the Lord. He was lent unto her. And here's, here's, this is why this is not unrelated, because everything you've got, the Lord's lent unto you. It's his. And it's to be used for his glory. Whether you eat, drink, whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. So Samuel was lent unto Hannah. And she returned him to the Lord to, for the Lord to be glorified. You know what Samuel's name means? Anybody ever looked at that before? What the name Samuel means? It means heard of God. Isn't that appropriate? She prayed, asked the Lord for a child, and God heard and granted a child. Opened her womb. Why hadn't she had a child? The Bible says because the Lord had closed her womb. Right? So it means heard of God. The Lord heard her. The name that was given, we're not told that an angel told her to give that name, but the name that was given was what she had received. The Lord's heard me. His name shall be Samuel. And then what do we find happening later in the temple after he's weaned and left there, you know, to serve the Lord? Samuel, he runs into Eli. Did you call me? No. Go back to bed. I didn't call you. You're hearing things, boy. You know, Samuel. Did you call me? No, I didn't call you. I think it was the third time maybe. Eli finally figures out the Lord's calling him. And so he tells him, he says, next time you hear your name called, say this, speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. Heard of God, right? Comes back full circle, doesn't it? Now God's speaking and he's hearing, you know, from the Lord. But the reason why I brought that up is because Hannah regards Samuel as child that was lent unto her you know by the Lord and all these things that we have they are lent unto us by the Lord let me I, I want to take the time to read this story to you I know I'm, I may have already come close to wearing you out but but this illustrates what we're talking about here and, and I, it follows right behind flows right out of Hannah and the Lord lending you know this Samuel unto her as a child right so I ran across this it's been some years back um but it was a, a story that was told about um, twin boys who, I mean, their, of course, father and mother just adored them. Um, but the father had gone on a trip, and while he was gone, both of the boys died at the same time. We're not told how. When the father returned, not knowing of what had happened, you can imagine in that day there wasn't a cell phone to pick up and call saying, get home quick, this has happened. I mean, there's, that, that wasn't uh, a reality at this time, but... But when the father returned, not knowing of the sorrow in his home, the mother met him at the door and said, I had a strange visitor while you were away. And he said, who was it? She said, five years ago, a friend lent me two precious jewels. Yesterday, he came and asked me to return them. She said, what shall I do? She's trying to prepare him for what he's about to see. She was there when it happened. He wasn't. And he says, well, yes, they belong to him. They were only lent to you. You know, give them back to him. They, they're his. Um, and so she leads her husband to the boy's room and pulls back the sheet and uncovers, you know, the, the, the bodies of the, the two boys and say, these are the two precious jewels that were lent unto us. And the owner has asked for their return, you know. So, I mean, it kind of flows into that with Hannah but also takes us a little bit deeper you know we think about monetary things we think about honor we think about fear what about 
our own selves? What about our own children? What about those around us? They're lent. You know, they belong to God. They don't belong, you know, unto us. Our very lives uh, are not our own. They belong. We've been, what does the Bible say? We've been bought with a price, right? We don't belong unto ourselves. We've been bought with a price, with the precious blood of Christ. So, you know, this, this all flows out of, I, I believe, from what we're talking about here when we talk about rendering what is due, what is owed. Lastly, I'll say this. I don't know who said it, but it came to my mind that there's a debt. We're thinking about debt. There's a debt that all men must pay. You know what that is, don't you? Death. It's death. You know, it's a life given. There's an end to that life. And at the end of that life, we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account, aren't we? Um, so my um, plea to those who may be here this morning who don't know repentance and don't know salvation in Christ is that there's a life that's been given to you. And there's going to be a demand at the end of that life, what you've done with it. And the only escape for you is to flee to Christ. You know, that's your only escape is repent and flee unto him. But when we think about claims, Christ has the highest claim upon our life. Anyone. She can claim some things of me. She can claim my love. She can claim my protection. She can claim my support. She can, but Christ has a higher claim upon my life, a higher claim upon your life than anyone else. So render what is due unto him because, again, whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we are to do all to the glory of God. Therefore, glorify him in all that you say and do because that's what 1 Corinthians 6.20 says. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And this that we've been talking about this morning fits right there in amongst all a whole lot of other things. But this is part of that. And God's concerned about this. He's concerned about it enough that he wrote unto us in this letter, Owe no man anything. Amen. Let's stand. Did somebody have a hymn that she's wanting to sing that you didn't get to call out? Anybody have a thought or question or comment? Uh, most of you know me. I mean, you you can just speak out. So you, there may have been something that you thought about that you didn't say that you're thinking about now. But but uh, remember these that we've already mentioned as far as praying for. Anybody? Anything? Not trying to drag anything out of you, you know. But if you, if the Lord sets something upon your heart and mind, then you better speak because you owe it unto Him, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, prayer goes in that category too, right? You know. I mean, we, we, we. That's that's something that we are called to do. We're to pray without ceasing. How about this? I tell you what, I go into, I've told you before, H-E-B, I would not shop there. I like the store, but they play music in that store that was popular when I was in high school, and it is a fight to get that out of my head every time I go in there, you know. 
I walked by one of the little checkers. Um, you know, you know, they get the self checkout, and you got this guy standing there. You know, they're watching everybody. If there's a problem, or I don't know if he'd stop anybody that tried to walk out without paying. But he was just a dancing to whatever the music was. And I said, I said, aren't you a little young for that song? You even know it? He said, I don't even know what they're saying. He said, I'm just kind of dancing to the t- the beat. You know, <laughs> probably better that way. You don't know the words. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard to get those out. But my point in saying that is, we are to sing and make melody under the in our hearts under the Lord, aren't we? I mean, we're, we're, we ought, he's, it just, it's still, every time I read the verse of scripture, it is amazing to me that the Lord rejoices over us with singing. I mean, how I ought to be rejoicing over him with singing. Um, and the music the world plays just doesn't cut it. You know, that's not gonna, that's not gonna praise, you know, the Lord. Um, you know, one man, I can't remember his name, but he came out to Brother Conrad at one of the conferences and was telling that he was gonna be singing at the Grand Ole Opry. And well, Brother Conrad had a few words to say about that. And um, the man says, well, I'm just singing about love. And Brother Conrad said, well, I couldn't really say a whole lot about that. But, you know, he was still against it. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it, the, the, what's the greatest song we could sing? It's a song of redemption. You know, what's the greatest song that we could sing? It's a song of praise and honor unto our king. Uh, what greater thing could be up on our lips than praise unto his name? How about thanksgiving? We're to enter into his courts with thanksgiving, right? You know, that is, oh, that is due. That's just some, not something that you ought to do. It is due unto his name. He's worthy of the praise. He's worthy for us to give thanks unto him. So think about those things in, in that regard. It might help you a little bit. I don't know. I mean, that's either in your heart, I guess, or it's not, isn't it? Uh, one or the other. But the world can kind of creep into those places, can it? Try to take take a position, take a place. The world, you know, the, the devil's roaming about, isn't he? Like a, a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to find a chink in the armor. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to find a place that he can take some advantage and grab a foothold, you know, in there and, and, and make some headway in our lives. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to render unto men, but more so than that, rendering unto God all that is due. All right. Amen.